Thank you for joining me in this Sunday service broadcast of the Web Church. I do believe that Dynamic Web Church is a church that's going to impact the world through the message of grace. There are many people out there in, um, in all the world that cannot join a church in their area that is grace-based. And this is what Dynamic Web Church is all about. And I want to thank you that you've just slotted in here today. And I believe that this is going to impact your life. It's going to bring the change that you desire which is effortless. I just want to say this, if it's not effortless change, it is not lasting. The only change that lasts is effortless change. Now, before we get into the Word and into the whole offering thing and all of that, I want you to just close your eyes, meditate upon God and see Him as a God of love. See Him as a God that just thinks of you from a perspective of the cross and of the finished work of Jesus Christ and we're going to pray together. Father, I thank you for every person that's slotted in to this um, broadcast. I thank you, my God, that every person will be touched, their lives will be impacted, change will come forth in their lives of what they desire. They will just see more of the kingdom of God coming into their lives. I also pray that they will know that you are more interested in who they are than in changing their lives. But I also thank you, my God, that your personality and who you are is so contagious that we can't but become like you. Thank you for your word of grace. Thank you for every person that is just just <clears throat> clicked on this button. I thank you that you are speaking to many people to do it right now and you're reminding people to do it so that they can experience your unconditional love, mercy and grace. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will just speak through me as we broadcast this message, that you will just speak through me into the lives of people. They will be healed. Miracles will happen. Financial miracles will happen. Peace will come into the hearts of people and people will be established in your peace and your love. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, before we get into the Word of God, we're just going <clears> to, <throat> I want to speak a little bit on finances. Now, what we will do in web church is we will take up an offering, or the way I like to say it is we will, um, you will give towards web church every uh, Sunday in our uh, broadcasts. And the vision is to take that money and just spread the gospel all over the world. At this moment, you cannot do it because our donate button doesn't work and it is still under construction. But I would like to just teach you so that you can experience more of God's unconditional love when it comes to finances. God wants you to experience grace in the area of finances. One of the greatest revelations that I've ever heard on finances is that you cannot get out of your poverty. You need to be saved out of your poverty. And if Jesus doesn't save you out of it, you will never get out of it. Now the Bible says, by grace we are saved through faith. So the only way you're ever going to get out of the problem you are in and the only way you're ever going to have stability when it comes to your finances is through grace. <clears throat> grace is that which brings stability. Now the problem that we have these days is that we are so grounded and rooted into the tithe message and sowing and reaping principles which is not God's word for the New Testament church. The word of God for the New Testament church is the word of grace. And if we can't apply grace, if we fail to apply grace when it comes to finances, we shall not be saved from our poverty. Now the Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So if you cannot hear the good news, the gospel, which came by Jesus Christ, 
when it comes to finances, there will be no salvation for you when it comes to finances. Now, I don't say that to condemn you. It is just God's honest truth. It's the way it is. Amen. It's like salvation from hell and salvation from sickness. Without Jesus Christ and what is done on the cross, you will never be saved. Let me tell you this. When it comes to um, eating and healthy living, true health is not in what you eat, but in what you believe. Amen. You can find true health in what you believe. If you believe that you are the righteousness of God, if you believe you are healthy, you will be healthy. Amen. You will find that by, uh, uh, through your faith, you will change your eating habits as well. But even without changing that, by faith, you can have a much healthier life than without having faith that you are already healthy in what Jesus Christ has provided for you on the cross. Amen. You might say, Bertie, you don't know what you're talking about. But I want to say this, if it works for the impossible, which is to become the righteousness of God free from your works, how much more will it work for possible things which is even within human reach? Amen. And so many times we think that Jesus only came to do the impossible for us and as long as what is possible, then God will help you. There's a, a, a phrase that people quote as if it is out of the Bible, that God helps those who want to help themselves. That is not the gospel, and it's actually the opposite way around. God does not help those who want to help themselves. God helps those who know they cannot be helped by themselves and call upon the name of Jesus Christ. That's the people that God helps. And so many times we think God helps those who help themselves, and out of that we've got a foundation where we condemn people that seem to be weak and sinners and people, especially beggars, people in the street, that don't want to do the thing right. We say, well, God cannot help them. God is there for the sinner. God is there for the person who does not fall into our religious way of thinking. He is there for people that's just so way out wrong and He wants to bring salvation to them through the message of grace. And the more we can get our minds to rest in the grace of God, the more stability we will find in our lives. We will find peace flooding our hearts and we will find righteousness manifesting in our lives and the person that you always wanted to be will manifest out of your heart. Amen. Salvation is not far from you. Salvation is close. Salvation is, as so, is so close, it's just a matter of believing and speaking. If you can believe with your heart and confess certain things with your mouth, you will find salvation in your life. Hallelujah. Now, I want us to turn to um, Philippians chapter 4. And uh, I just believe you're going to be so blessed with this. Philippians chapter 4. And it's important to take your Bible. When you come to web church, when you come to church, get your Bible. We're going to read from the Word of God. I want you to go to the places where I'm reading. We're studying the Word of God. We're not in a hurry. Bless God. I thank God. This is just not a normal broadcast where I've got to buy the airtime and all of that. This is um, basically my airtime. I can go as long as what I want. And man, thank God for this. It is awesome. And we can just study the Word of God, go through the Word of God, get your dignity and worth from what Jesus Christ has done for you. Amen. So, if you don't have a Bible with you right now, don't run around, sit down, relax. There's no condemnation for you. Hallelujah. This is just so good to study the Word of God together, to see it there for yourselves. And I also want to advise you. I mean, the people who watch this, all of you has got computers this is broadcasted on the internet. So, 
If you've got a computer just after this session, I want to just advise you, go to eSword, I think it's eSword.org, um, or .net, I'm not sure about that. But if you search it under any search engine, you'll find it. And download eSword with the different translations that comes with it and commentaries. And you can study the Word of God for yourself. You can go on the homepage of my website to in-depth studies. And under in-depth studies, you will, you will just see how I've used eSword. I think there's a scripture, Isaiah 45, verse 5 and 6. Click on that and you will see how I've used eSword and how powerful that program is. The download is for free. It's actually for a donation of any amount. Just make sure you make a donation towards the people who's just provided us with all of this. It's an absolute gift from God. Amen. So as we study the Word, as we spend time to the word, in the Word of God, we will find the message of grace. Now, you must just know this for sure. I'm going to preach on the message of God's unconditional love every session. It's not going to be, uh, today Beth is preaching on grace, tomorrow is preaching on condemnation, tomorrow is preaching upon your obligation and all of that. It's not going to work like that. This is grace-based. <clears throat> grace-based means everything flows from the foundation of the work of Jesus Christ on your behalf. There's never going to be a condemnation message that comes from this pulpit. It will never be like that. It will only be the grace of God because the Bible says the grace of God is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. For the wrath of God is revealed through anything else. Now let me say that again. You can read that in Romans chapter 1. It says the, the, the grace of God is the salvation. Through grace we are saved by faith. I think let's read it while we've got some time. Uh, Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, which is the message of God's grace. Hallelujah. For it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believes. Verse 17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Now, I don't have time to go into that, but the knowledge of sin is through the law. So the message of grace is the power of God unto salvation. The message of good news is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. That's why I will only preach good news. I will only preach um, every message from the perspective of unconditional love and that you don't deserve it by your works, but that you have received it by Jesus Christ. And that's going to be like that, man, until the Lord Jesus Christ appears around us and He's going to say the very same thing. Amen. So, um, if you enjoy this, you can know you're going to enjoy it every time. It's always going to be a grace perspective a grace foundation from where we preach and from where we want to make things practical in your life, in all areas of life. And from the grace perspective, I'm going to speak on finances for about 10 minutes and then we're going to speak on the love of God. Amen. So the, the, what I'm going to say on money today is not actually what I want to preach on. We're going to preach on the unconditional love of God, the message on how much God loves you. Hallelujah. So many times when we hear the love of God, we think it's all about how much we must love God and how much we must love our neighbor. But that's not what it's all about. It's all about how much God loves you. Amen. And then from the grace perspective in sessions to come and in uh, next Sunday services, we're going to go into 
How do we love people from that perspective? And how do we love God from that perspective? Amen. So this is well balanced. It's not a, uh, a license to sin thing. It is grace to the point that you can be like God. Amen. Now, uh, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to read there from... Let's, let, uh, let's read from verse 12. I know both how to be abased. <clears throat> now let's read from verse 10. But I received in the Lord, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again, wherein you were careful, but you lacked opportunity. Now just by reading that, I just want to say this. So many times people are so negative towards preachers that um, gives people opportunity to give. But what Paul says here, he says that I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, <clears throat> wherein you were careful, but you lacked opportunity. So what he says is that there are people that want to give, but if we don't give them the opportunity to give, they will not give. That's why we will have a button on the website that says donate. And that's why preachers all over the world will have a time when people can give. They will give some type of opportunity, even if it's just... Uh, a box in the back of the church where you can put in whatever you want to give. There is an opportunity. Because if there's no opportunity, how will people receive? Okay, so Paul said there that people did not give. <clears throat> there was a time where they couldn't, but they wanted to for they lacked opportunity. But thank God they got an opportunity and then they gave. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Notwithstanding, um, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. So what Paul was actually saying is he was afflicted, he was suffering. People wanted to give, they didn't have an opportunity to give. And then when they got an opportunity, then they gave. And then he says, I am so happy with this. Then he says, now you Philippians know also, also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. So what he says actually is a simple. He says, no church gave to me from which I received, but you only. And so many times we think that this scripture says, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, as a principle saying and uh, Paul implementing a principle that says, by giving you're going to receive. Now that's not what Paul wrote there, and just go and read it for yourself, just with simplicity of mind, and an openness of heart, and you will see clearly, that what it says is, it's basically just a relationship where, he was preaching the gospel, and that <clears throat> there was a church that supported his ministry. Then verse 16, For even in Thess Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity, now, I've studied this in the original language. It actually says twice. You sent to me twice and now you sent to me again. Not because I desire the gift. So, the reason why they were giving was not because um, Paul was putting pressure on them and saying, well, I need your gift now and if you give now within the next um, hour, then God's going to bless you and all of that nonsense. Paul wasn't chasing the gift. There was something more that he was after. He says, but I desire the fruit that may abound to your account. 
Now, so many times that is seen in a wrong perspective. It's seen, seen from a perspective of uh, sowing and reaping. If I give, then there's money deposited into my heavenly bank account, which is not the truth. <clears throat> you don't have a heavenly bank account where you've got access to, to uh, deposit into through your works. If there is anything like a heavenly bank account, it has, the deposit has been made by Jesus Christ and it is full already because He deposited on your behalf when He obeyed uh, the Father when He walked this earth. And the Bible says that He was rich. He became poor so that we through His poverty might be made rich. So any deposit that's been made in any account whatsoever has been made by Jesus Christ. Now the word account here is not the word bank account. It's the Greek word logos which is the same word which is used in John chapter 1 that says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word uh, the word was with God, and the Word was God. It's the same word, word. I don't know why it was translated as the word account. It's a Greek word, uh, logos. So let's read it uh, from that perspective. It says, not because I desire the gift, <clears throat> but I desire the fruit that may abound to your word. So what is happening is there was a word that these people preached and there was a word about those people. And what he was saying is, I thank God that you give to me. Now Paul said he knows how to live with a lot of stuff but he knows how to manage without. So he says, because I know both ways of living, I'm not putting pressure on you to give towards me. But now that you give, it has brought a change in my life. And I thank God for that. Because let me tell you this, it's better to have than what is not to have. But the, one can also live without. It is the truth. You can live in that. You can, you can be joyful, even if you don't have a lot of material possessions. <coughs> now Paul said, I thank God um, that you've given. I haven't put pressure on you to give, but my desire is the fruit. Now that word, uh, a fruit there, can also be taken to the other writings of Paul where he spoke about fruit is and the bearing of fruit. He was talking about the fruit of the Spirit. He was talking about Christian character in the lives of believers. So what he says is, I don't desire your gift, but I desire the fruit of the Spirit, the character of God that may abound to the word that is spoken about you and the word that you speak. Hallelujah. So, if people were speaking about Christianity and loving people, what they were actually talking about was that there must be a manifestation of that as well. So Paul was saying, listen, it's a good thing to see a manifestation of the work of God in your life. That was what he was talking about. And the provision comes a little bit later. It says here in verse 19, it talks about the supply and the way God supplies. And we're going to get into that now. So, there's a word about Christians today. There's a word about the church that you've maybe been visiting. That word can be, these people are only worried about money, these people are so stingy. You know, in the church, you know, last night I've been to a meeting where people took up an offering for distribution of Bibles, and I looked at how the people give. Man, I couldn't believe that rich people were putting in two rand. You know, the word that there is about them is not a good word. There's no fruit that abounds to the word about them. No good fruit anyway, only bad fruit. If, you, if somebody would, is rich and he feels in his heart that he, he 
he goes there with a purpose to give. I mean, there's some of the people that went there and know it's all about taking up finances for Bible distribution. And what they did is they ate more food than the, the money that they gave. They were actually an expense. And instead of really bearing the fruit of giving out of the abundance that they have. Hallelujah. But now, I don't walk in judgment towards those people. I'm just explaining what this word, word here means. Because we want a good word over you. And when it comes to web church, we want a good word about the people that are members of this church and gives. We want to say these people are not stingy people. They are people that live free from the fear of not having. They live free from manipulation because we will never manipulate you. They live free from um, condemnation when it comes to finances and they obey the voice of the Spirit when it comes to giving. As simple as that. And I want to say the same as what Paul said. I've been preaching the gospel um, for many years. There was time in my life when my wife and I, we were really poor, but we still preached the gospel. And we reached thousands of people without a lot of money. It's the truth. I tell you, we, God opened doors for us where we could reach. I, I preached in crowds of 10, 15, 20,000 people where God just opened doors supernaturally without me having the money to conduct a crusade like that. So, we know how it is to be without. And then there was times, and there is times now when we prosper and we are blessed and we know how to live with. But what we are seeking is that you, and in your deeds, you can see the fruit of the Spirit when it comes to finances. So, even if you're not a member of the web church and you're just starting to watch this, I mean, the, we don't have members at the moment. I, we only want about, say, 20 or 30, 50 members and then get the thing streamlined and from there uh, do it uh, really on, on a bigger scale from the beginning of next year. But we go to your church and give to your church and let there be a good word about you and we want to see the fruit of the Spirit when it comes to your giving. And that's what Paul was saying. He was not telling people um, or giving them a way to secure their financial future by giving to ministries. That's not what he was doing there. The provision is in verse um, 19. It says, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I've heard it being preached where people say the context here is towards people that gave to Paul and that scripture that God will meet your needs according to his riches in glory is because they've given. Now that is just not the truth because it contradicts the context of the scripture. Because he says here, my God shall supply all your needs in accordance to his riches in glory. And now it said, it is said towards people that give. In other words, it's according to the giving of people to the church that God will meet their needs according to glory. Now that is contradicting and it's very complicated. God is not stingy and he gives to sinners. You might say badly, that's not the truth. Go and read in Luke chapter 6. It is so clear there. The Bible says, if somebody steals from you, Give him more. And if you do so, then you will be like your heavenly Father. Now imagine that. If you steal from God, He will give you even more. Now we are thinking, you know, if we don't give enough, then God's never going to give to us. How much more, if you're not a thief, but you're a child of the Almighty God, and everything that God owns is yours. We are co-heirs with Christ Jesus. We have inherited with Him 
whatever Jesus received when He was resurrected from the dead and when He is seated at the right hand of the Father, we received. That is ours. And when you believe, you've got access to all of that. God has got no needs, my friend. He's got no needs. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? It's good to know that God has got no needs. You know what happened in the church? We came to a place where we believe God has got this big financial need and we must meet that need as the church. From that we get the perspective that God is poor. God is not poor and He's got no needs. There are people that's got needs. And then we can meet that need through our giving. Like Paul, he had a need. And then there are people in this world that can meet that need through the fruit of the Spirit of generosity that causes them to give. That is as simple as that. Here it says, But my God shall meet all your needs according to His riches in glory. Now let's go to Romans chapter 6 quickly. Romans chapter 6, and we're just going to look at the... um, He said He's going to meet our, our needs according to His riches in glory. Right. Verse 4. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. So, the Bible says Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of God. So, it's actually called the resurrection power or the Holy Spirit. Now he says here, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches that there is in glory or then the resurrection power by Jesus Christ. So your needs is going to be met by Jesus Christ in accordance to the power of his resurrection. So by Jesus your needs are going to be met. How much is God going to give to you? In accordance to the greatness of the power of his resurrection. The power that took Jesus from death to life is what's going to happen to you when you believe this grace message when it comes to finances. It's going to take you from poverty to the wealth of God. That's what it says. Hallelujah. Amen. You might say, Bertie, are you as wealthy as God? Oh, yes, I am. Now, is all of that wealth manifested yet? No, it hasn't. Now, Bertie, how can you preach this? Well, thank God I don't preach in the name of Bertie Brits. I preach in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I am not your provider and I am not your healer. I just preach about the healer and what the healer has done. I can tell you what he's done for me. Hallelujah. So when it comes to finances, I want to tell you, please don't be manipulated by the teaching of tithing. You know, many people that preach it today manipulate people. Some people do it knowing it, others doing it and they don't know it. But I don't care if they use the gospel for their own gain. If they do it that way, that's fine with me. I don't say, well, condemn them to hell or all of that. There are many people that use the gospel for personal gain and preach the gospel for personal gain and preach a tithing teaching to manipulate people, to get money out of them so they can be wealthy and more prosperous. Now that's fine. It doesn't matter. To me, the gospel is still preached. And that's what they said um, to Jesus and to Paul and those people. It says, look what those people do. They preach for their own gain. Paul, he didn't worry. Well, at least the gospel is being preached. Now, the thing that's bad to me is the people that are being manipulated and that get hurt through this whole thing 
and there's got this hope and this hope is deferred and the heart starts to grow sick and they get hurt. But I thank God that there are good news preachers all over the world as well and God can direct people to the good news preachers and their lives can change. Amen. They can get the truth. Hallelujah. So if you, if you want to give towards the web church, if you want to give towards Dynamic Love Ministries, as soon as that button works, you can do it. If you want to do it in any other way, you can just write to us and we will give you the banking details. I, I think somewhere on the website we've got our banking details as well. Go and have a look at that. There's a swift code if you want to do it. You are free. Free from any manipulation. If you do it, you'll be blessed by doing it. If you don't do it, let me tell you something. My God shall meet all your needs, not according to your giving to this ministry or the church you're in, but will be according to His riches in glory. For God loves you. He cares for you. And if He does not do that and He refuses, He is making a mockery of the cross of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says, He became poor on that cross so that you through His poverty might be made rich. And why will God only apply one part of what His Son has done? He'll apply the whole thing to your life by you believing it. The only prerequisite there is, is you need to believe it. Amen. Now, man, wasn't that awesome? <laughs> he just blessed me as I spoke. I just felt the flow of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. We're going to get into the Word of God's unconditional love for you. Um, hallelujah. And before we get into that, I would like to pray for people that struggle financially and that seek stability when it comes to fin- finances. The Bible says, let us... We receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us therefore have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably. So the kingdom of God um, cannot be shaken. If you don't want to be shaken in your finances, in the stability of your financial supply, in the stability of your giving, in the stability um, of finances in a hole in your life, receive grace. That's what the Bible says. The kingdom of God cannot be shaken. Therefore receive grace, whereby you may serve God acceptably. If you don't give from... Uh, grace giving, but you give from law giving, tithing giving. Um, you are not serving God acceptably. You might say, Bertie, but the tithe is so in the Bible and everything. Man, they go to Word Well, under Word Well, I've got 18 messages on this, explaining every scripture from a grace perspective. And you will just see that if the tithe was not under the law, you would have been cursed forever when it comes to your finances. Hallelujah. So therefore, it was placed under the law. Amen. The same with with circumcision. Circumcision came long before the law, but then when the law came, it was included under the law. The same with tithing. Abraham tithed long before the law, but once the law came, it was included in the law under tithing. You can read in Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Malachi chapter 3. Man, it's all over the place. Hallelujah. So if you've got financial uh, problems and you, you need stability in your finances, I'm going to pray for you and and just now, the reason why I say close your eyes is so that you can meditate upon the resurrected Christ, the resurrected Jesus, because out of his resurrection power is where you receive. So let's pray together. My Father, I want to thank you for every person that's watching this broadcast. I speak your blessing over them. I say you are the righteousness of God when it comes to finances, you are the blessed, blessed people of God. You are the people that walk in righteousness. You are the people that walk in the blessing of God. The curse of poverty has been broken off your back and you are the blessed of God. Receive the blessing through the the resurrected power of Jesus and don't receive it by your works. I set you free right now in Jesus' mighty name. 
Amen. I want to encourage you to go to our website. I mean, you're on the website right now. Go to Wordwell. Go to, uh, I think I've got two sessions there or two main headings. I think the one is Finances on the Cross. The other one is uh, Prosperity by Grace. Go and watch it. Study it out. You will find peace in your heart that you can never imagine. Go to Testimonies and just see under Financial Testimonies what people wrote that got into that message how their lives change. Amen. Now, the love of God is a topic that people really need to get into. Without understanding the love of God, you will have no hope in this life. You will feel condemned. You will feel judged. You will feel that you are under such a burden that you will never walk in the goodness of God. You know, the Bible says in Matthew, let's go to Matthew um, chapter 11, verse 28. The Bible says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Now, he spoke, he preached this to people that were trying to serve God. You know, and there are many people today trying to serve God. You try to love God. You try to love your neighbor. And I heard a man preaching like a scripture in 1 John chapter 4, 18 that says, Perfect love casts out all fear. And he says, Whenever you fear about your finances or whenever you fear about anything in life, it's because you don't love people perfectly. You must repent of your sin and start to love people. Now, that's not what that scripture says. It's such a wrong interpretation of the truth. <clears throat> now, let's read Matthew eleven twenty-eight. It says, Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, come to me all you that labor. That word labor is that work hard. You working hard at being holy. You working hard at loving people. You working hard at loving God and always walking in love. You working hard at not judging people. So if you work hard and you are heavy laden, that word heavy laden in the original language means to be tired of ceremony or to be tired of um, the practicalities of religion. To be overburdened with the practicalities of religion. Now we've got so many practicalities these days in church has been like that all the time. It's supposed to change. It's supposed not to be like that. You're so tired of the practicality you must just smile right. You must just do everything right. And uh, all the basic Christian way of doing which is some of the things are not ordained of God. It's man-made. You know, if you go to say the Roman Catholic Church and you don't get dressed the way they want you to get dressed, they will find scripture in the Bible to prove that you're a sinner. If you go to a charismatic church and you smoke a cigarette, they'll find scripture to prove you're a sinner. Now there's a standard of holiness that's been placed by man, and then there's a standard of holiness being placed by God. Now the standard of holiness placed by God was in accordance to the obedience of Jesus, and that holiness is not by what you do, but it's imputed unto you. That means it's something that is given unto you freely. The Bible says righteousness is a free gift. That means you don't need to have one righteous act in order to be righteous. The Bible says we receive the righteousness of God by faith. So, and then because we are righteous, we act righteous. But we don't receive our righteousness by our righteous deeds. Our righteousness is received by the righteous deeds of Jesus Christ on our behalf. 
You know, and Paul, Paul preached this so radically in Romans uh, chapter, the whole book of Romans, his whole life was just all about this. Paul preached this so radically that the born again believers in Jerusalem almost murdered him. I don't know how to say that louder than that. The born again believers that was for the law of Moses. In other words, they were for the Ten Commandments. They were for all those things. They almost murdered the apostle of grace. Man is the same like that today. It's written like that in Galatians chapter 4. Even today, those who are zealous for the law, and the context in, I think it's Acts 21, the, the Christians that were zealous for the law almost murdered Paul. Man, can you believe that? It happens like that today. And I want to tell you that when you hear the message of grace, don't let opposition comes up in your heart opposing this message. It is the message of God. If we don't preach the message of grace radically, we will see no radical change in the lives of people. We will just find people hiding their sin better. And feeling free for a while, but not really being free. There's true freedom for you. If you are overburdened with the practicalities of religion, come to Jesus, that you might find rest. And I'm saying this to believers. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, let's go into Romans chapter 5. I'm getting excited before the time. Hallelujah. I'm so excited about this. It says, Therefore... Now let's read from verse 25, Romans 4.25 Who was delivered for our offenses, speaking about Jesus. He was delivered for our offenses and He was raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, this is awesome. The first thing he says here that is very important for you to know and understand is he says, He was delivered for our offenses. Now, when the Bible says Jesus was delivered for our offenses, do you know what that means? That means He was delivered for our offenses. (laughs) Amen. That means He was given over for the punishment of my sins. Amen. That means the sin that I'm busy with, He paid for and died for and was judged for. So that people who has got sin in their lives can hear the message that says, By Jesus Christ, your sins has been paid for already. And if you believe it, you get access to the forgiveness of that sins and the cleansing of your life. When Jesus was delivered for our offenses, um, it's so simple. It means that the punishment that was due to come to us came upon Him. So that we, who's got the offenses, will not be punished for the offenses we have. Now you might say, Bertie, that is just a license to sin. Do you think people stop to sin because they are scared of hell? People don't stop to sin because they are scared of hell. If the fear of hell and fear of God could stop people to sin, Israel when they were in the desert, would never have sinned because they saw the pillar of fire. They were scared. The Bible says they were sore afraid. 
They were so scared they didn't want to go up the mountain. And while shivering with the fear of God, they made, they, they made a golden calf. Fear of God and fear of judgment does not produce holiness. The only thing that, produce, that produces holiness is obedience to the law and that was done by Jesus on your behalf. Hallelujah. You might say, but Bertie, I am fairly holy. Fairly holy is not good enough. You might say, but Bertie, you know, this message of righteousness that you preach just too radical, it brings a license, it's a license to sin. Now Paul said that, and go and read that in Romans chapter, I think it's 3 verse 9. He says, the people that say that I preach the license to sin by preaching this message, their condemnation is just. It means they will be judged. And it is right it's right for it that way. Because they are not believing in the good news of Jesus Christ. So their condemnation is because they have never believed in Jesus. So if you think that this, what I preach, is a message of a license to sin, I want to tell you something. Um, you stand in danger of not understanding the grace of God and the work of the cross. The work of the cross is that which sets you free. And I don't preach at you. I'm not against... I was also a law preacher with a passion for God. It's like Paul says, he says the, 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 the Jewish people, Israel, they've got a passion for God, they've got a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Let's have a passion for God according to the true knowledge about what we must know about our sins. If you confess that your sins have been forgiven in Jesus, if you confess that you've been delivered from your sins, then you'll experience salvation in your life because you're experience, you are experiencing and confessing the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, um, as I was searching for grace preachers on the internet, because we're starting a, a, a web station, you also see on the homepage is web station starting in 2008. And I was searching for grace preachers to start a preach on the channel. And um, for every, every grace preacher that you see, you'll find about three, four hundred people that's against the message of grace. Can you believe it? And the problem that I see is most of the people that's against the message of grace, they, they will never put an email address on their website so that you can contact them. And if I could contact these people, I would just ask one question. And this, and this is the question because they say, no, if you don't live righteous, then you're not righteous. If you don't live holy, then you're not forgiven. You receive forgiveness, then you receive the Holy Spirit and by the power of the Holy Spirit you obey the law and by that obedience you are justified. Now, <laughs> that's not the truth. I would just like to ask those people one question, and this is the question. Are you without sin? Are you 100% sinless? Now, if the answer is no, the Bible says if you break one of the least of the commandments, you've sinned against the whole law. You've broken the whole law. Now, that is sinful, man. If you imagine somebody who broke every part of the law, every commandment, he broke it. Man, that is as guilty as what you can get. Now, if you break one, the least, you're guilty in front of the whole law. And you need grace. You need mercy. So, if I ask you today, that you are you a sinner? And you say to me, um, yes, I've got sin in my life. I've got news for you. You need the message of grace. If you oppose the message of grace, I've got good news for you. You, the message you oppose is what you need. And I want to tell you, God forgives you for even preaching against the message of grace. There's forgiveness for you. 
God loves you, I love you. And I want you to get slotted into the message of grace. It's for you. Amen. Now, Romans chapter 5 says uh, in verse 2, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So what he says is, he says, By faith we've got access into this grace and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. In the confident expectation that comes by the glory of God. Now verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. So he says the first thing, he says, He was delivered for our offenses, He was raised for our justification. So, you, your offenses has been forgiven because Jesus was delivered up for your offenses. That's the first thing. The second thing, you've been justified by the resurrection of Jesus Christ and you believing that. So there's no justification for you outside you believing that He was raised for you and because He was raised. Through His resurrection you've been justified. Amen. Let's just quickly have a look at Isaiah 53. This is just going to bless you. Just go quickly through it. It says here from verse 4. It says... Surely He has borne our griefs. He carried our sorrows. We esteemed Him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was was wounded for your transgression. He was wounded for the transgression that you're still busy with today. And He was wounded for transgressions and brought payment for transgressions that people will do tomorrow. Amen. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was bruised for your iniquity. Do you have iniquity in your life? He was bruised for that. So that you can receive the forgiveness now. Then it says, the chastisement, the punishment that there is to receive peace. In other words, the punishment for sin. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. So the chastisement, the punishment that must come so that you can stand before God, not having this much fear, was upon Jesus. Hallelujah. Now he says, we are justified like this. Because we are justified like this, we've got a confident expectation. So the confidence in you expecting the miracle that you want to see in your life, the confidence that is in the heart of a believer, not doubting, not fearing, knowing the thing's going to happen the way it's supposed to happen, is based on Jesus being delivered for our sins and Him and we receiving justification by His resurrection. And that's it. Nothing more than that. Now that gives you a confident expectation. If you bring the smallest part of works righteousness into that, you will have no confidence. Like, for instance, um, speaking positive, positive confession. If you speak wrong, then God can never bless you. Now I do believe in that, that speaking right is good because it is a confirmation of what's already in your heart. I also believe when we believe and we speak the right thing, that's a way of creating things. But there's a doctrine that's so much in the law that says you must confess right. You must do that all the time right. And if you do it wrong once, you've cancelled out all the good that has happened. And what you're saying by that is that the evil is a billion times stronger than the good. Man, if you've confessed negative your whole life and you confess positive once, the one good outweighs the negative by billions 
and is just so much greater, unmeasurable greater than the um, than the negative. Amen. So don't put so much emphasis on the negative. Now that is what what he says here. He says if you believe that type of thing, you will have no confidence when it comes to your child. Maybe it's got was in a motor car accident and the need a miracle needs to happen today. The other day my son um, he he had a, a headache and his neck was sore and there was like a ah um, oh, what do we call that sickness now. Well, it's like an infection around your brain, and which is very deadly. You can die within days of that sickness. And he was showing that, those symptoms. And what we did was, the first thing I said was, let's take him to the doctor. Then, I, then my wife said, let's pray. And you know what? When she said, let's pray, there was a confidence in my heart. You might say, yeah, Bertie, but you've confessed wrong. You shouldn't have said, let's take him to the doctor. Now, the reason why I say this is to show you how God works. My first confession was wrong. I said, let's take him to the doctor. But it was not really wrong. You can take people to the doctor. I'm not against the doctor. But then, you know, because that was just a natural thing that so much in life, when that type of sickness comes, you run to the doctor. I said, let's pray. So I prayed. You know, he was healed right there. All the pain left him right there, complete, completely healed. He's playing outside right now. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? God is good. My confession was not right in the beginning. But when I prayed, when I went into prayer, I, and I just said, Oh my God, I'm justified by your works. And this healing and this miracle is not based on my works or my wrong confession that I've just had. It's based on what Jesus confesses about sickness today. Hallelujah. Amen. And he was healed. Amen. Right. Now it says, And this hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. And hope maketh not ashamed because of the love of God that was shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost that was given unto us. So, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. And because the love of God is shed abroad in your heart, the hope that you have will come forth. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart. Now, what is the love of God? People don't know the love of God. Now, we can see the love of God right out of this passage here. And we're going to go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. And we're also going to see the love of God there. The love of God was shed abroad in our hearts. What was the love of God? The message that He was delivered up for us. The message that He, through His resurrection, I'm justified. And by just believing it, all is mine. That message has been shed abroad in my heart. Therefore, I've got a confident expectation, that's a Greek word for hope, um, in the good that God has promised. Hallelujah. There's confidence. Because the message of grace has been poured out in my heart, which is the love of God. Now the problem that people have these days is the message of grace is not shed abroad in his heart. But the message of condemnation and the law that comes with a different jacket. You know, um, if you take a wolf and you put sheep clothing on him, he's still a wolf. It's just the way it is. Now, if you take the law and you put the name of Jesus over it, it's still the law. It's not all of a sudden the message of grace. And that's what people struggle with today. We haven't confessed right. We haven't lived right. We haven't loved people right. And all of that. You know, I heard a guy and he preached. He said, you know, the, the, all the law and the commandments 
hang upon this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. So he says, every law there is, every principle there is, hangs on that. And then if you want to prosper financially, you need a tithe. And you need to have sowing and reaping and you need to confess right. So somebody came to him and said to him, Sir, but you know, I've been tithing, I've been sowing and reaping, I've been doing all of that, um, but I don't receive. Then the man said, Yes, but do you love your neighbor as yourself? Because that law hangs on that commandment. He said, well, I, even now then I get upset with people. He says, yeah, that's why it doesn't work. You know what? That man will never be blessed. He will never. Because in his human ability, he's never going to get it right to love people as he loves himself. It will be almost impossible. And then love God with all your heart. That means in your heart there's no place for anything else. Like Jesus said, if you don't hate your wife and your uh, uh, children and your neighbor, not neighbors, uh, I mean anything else when it comes to God, if you must measure your love for God with your love of people, you must hate those in comparison to the love of God. It, it didn't literally mean to hate them. But if somebody would come to me, like say for instance, say my wife would say Bertie, you know, um, I know you must go and preach the gospel now or we must make a session or recording or pray for the sick but there must be time with the family. And I say to her, then I must be so radical about that message and the love of God that I must push her aside for the gospel. Now I tell you, there are very few people who will ever get that right. Now, that just brings condemnation. That person, when it comes to giving and receiving finance from God, he is basically condemned for the rest of his life and he will be poor until the day he dies unless he hears what I'm preaching today. Or someone that preaches something like this. Because that is just, it's a millionaire pastor that told him this. He is condemned and he will never walk in freedom again. And God has come to set us free. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, when it comes to your business deals, when it comes to what you've got in life, God loves you. Let the message of grace be shed abroad in your heart. And when the message of grace is shed abroad in your heart, you will find that the confident expectation to receive, is just, it just floods your life, it floods your mind, it floods your mouth. You know how difficult it is to speak positive when you are negative? It's almost impossible. It is impossible. Jesus marveled at that. He said to the Pharisees, how can you that are evil say good things? It's almost a miracle. And we find that in the church today. People are wicked in their belief systems, but they just think by confessing the positive, they're going to be saved. Let me tell you, good words comes out of a good heart. And a good heart is born out of a good God. Hallelujah. Amen. And that is what God has given to you today. Now, We're coming to the end of this. Next week we're going to get more into 1 John chapter 4 and um, what the love of God really is. Remember, the love of God is not your love for God. It's not your love for your neighbor. It's God's love for you. And if you can know that the love of God is the message of God's grace, it says by faith we've got access into this grace. It says, and the Holy Spirit, the love of God, the message of grace, the message of how much God loves us, Remember, the Bible says herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. So herein is the love of God. Herein is love. That He gave His Son so that we might live through His Son. So the more the message of how much God loved us first, 
how he, we live through Christ and not through our works and through the law, is shed abroad in your heart, the more confidence you will have when it comes to the, uh, the manifestation of the glory of God and the kingdom of God in your life. Amen. Man, that is good news. Maybe you just need a prayer right now and you just say, my God, but this message has really blessed me. Now this is for you. It is, God knows you by name. You know, I just feel in my heart that I'm going to pray for the sick right now. If you've got any sickness in your body, there is healing for you. There's absolute healing for you. It comes to my mind right now, there's a lady that's got a pain in the back of your neck going up into your head and the left side of your head has got, it feels like a migraine. There's healing for you right now. Hallelujah. Not by your works. Anybody that's sick today, any financial problem, any trouble you have, I've got good news for you. Not by your works. Let the message of grace be shed abroad in your heart. And that message is shed abroad in my heart right now. And from that perspective, I speak over you. I say, I bring healing over cancer. I bring healing over that headache right now in Jesus' name. We heal those, those vertebras, those uh, nerves, everything in the back there. We bring healing over uh, eye problems. We bring healing over ear problems. We bring healing over every area of life right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, my God, that you heal all people right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. If you need any further healing, just click on Healing School. Listen to that. If you want to know how to heal the sick and walk in the power of God, just click there on Power Talk where you will just see how you can function in the power of God. It is absolutely liberating and life-changing. Amen. We want to encourage you from all over the world that if you have watched this broadcast, um, it, it's, it's one of our first broadcasts. I, think that, I believe this is the first one that's really going to work well. We've struggled a lot before. But um, if you've heard this, it, it would be such a blessing for us to know from where in the world you've heard this. Just send an email, just with the name of your country, or if you've been blessed, or what you think about this. Just that we can know who has been touched by this. Thank you so much, and God bless. It came to be by the touch of His hand through His love. down and breathed his life into man. Yes, for all of us, he is calling us with his blessings to show. The best part of it is the heart of it. It's the good news we know. Shed his blood for me. It was an act of God. Now we hear such strange philosophies from those who teach. We expect them to know, but they pushed God out of. When his presence is quite obvious, only fools deny him so. And in all of us, 
calling us for the truth to be shown. Yes, the heart of it, every part of it, is from God's highest throne. Shed his blood for me. It was an act of God.